Eva. And we're, we're your frightened friends. sisters. Okay, that's a little choppy. I know. <laughs> not used to me going first. No, I'm not. I'm used to jumping in with you. Know. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh. Jazz's episode today. Hey, finally again. I, I know. I think the last one was what? Was it October? I think so. I think that's what I saw on our like sheets. I'm sure. Yeah. I was going through it the other day and like updating it. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, my last case was in October. Dang. So, so it's been a minute. I mean, a little bit yeah. you know, learning phase again for yes. me. This is a whole year, you know. I'm joking. Okay. No, no, no. It hasn't been that long. Like three months. Yeah, I know. Give or take. <sighs> well, how are you today? I'll ask you for one. <laughs> I know, right? Weird. Okay. I'm doing pretty good today. You know, my toddler was. You know, he was himself. He was a toddler. Yeah, he was using me as a jungle gym, so my hips kind of hurt. Some old as shit. I'm not that much older than me. I don't say that. <laughs> don't age us. I know. I'm going to be 34, you guys. Oh, I know. Feels weird, huh? I know. We're That's like weird. Driving. I know. It's weird to me sometimes. <laughs> oh, I know. I, my age just hit me because my birthday's next week. As we're recording this. Right. <laughs> when it uploads, though, it'll already be my birthday. It's wild. So, that's wild. I know. Remember Jerry Frutus? I know, that's true. <laughs> it's his birthday, too. I know. I'll put happy birthday, Jerry and Jazz on your cake. You could do Justin, too, the three J's. Justin true. Timberlake. So right. we could just all be together, one happy little family. I know. Now, I was telling my fiance, because he listened to the last case, and he was like, you guys have a lot of similarities, you and Jerry. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Can we not say that? He's like, should I be concerned? <laughs> well, like, the same week he listened to it was the same week I put in my application for OSU. So it's just, like, not a good look. <laughs> you aspire to be him. <laughs> totally. He inspired me <laughs> to finally fill out my application. Yeah. He inspires your resume. art. <laughs> Great. Love this. Well, today's <laughs> case is not Jerry Brudos. That's good. God, we're, yeah. <laughs> that we've crossed that. That is yeah. done. But how are you doing? I haven't asked you yet. <laughs> okay. I'm doing yeah. nice and sleep. Yeah. Insomnia person here. Yay. Yes, love it. <laughs> Up at 1.30 a.m. It is now, what, like 4.30 p.m. So Day. Doing great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also just got done reading a really fucked up book, so I am in a great yes. <laughs> today. <laughs> I also, like, binge research for this episode earlier this week, so also great headspace. <laughs> yeah. Not at all paranoid. Yeah, <laughs> and you'll get you guys will know why. Yeah, once we read this case, <laughs> it's, it'll be in the title and the description. But you know, it's it's a it's a good one today. I'm excited. It is, yeah. Also, I'm home alone a lot, so researching this case while home alone, don't <laughs> yeah. don't do that. <laughs> you'll be looking over your shoulder like, yeah. what is that noise? <laughs> don't listen to this case if you have like a open window behind you or like any kind of window because yeah. you know. Yeah. No. <laughs> Don't do that. Make sure you're comfy, but not, like, feeling alone. Yeah. <laughs> It'll freak you out. But, yeah. Oh, my iPad's freaking out, too. <laughs> Speaking of freaking out. Well, today's case is The Watcher, as you can see in the title. Yes. So, should we, like, you, like, say dive into it or whatever? <laughs> I love it, yes. Let's <laughs> dive in. use that quote ever, so... <laughs> Well, before I begin, I wanted to shout out Reeves, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, so I'm very sorry, Reeves Weidman, Weidman, I don't know, <laughs> who works at New York Magazine. He got an exclusive interview with the main family of this case, okay. and without his article, I wouldn't have, like, had a very good story. 
or I wouldn't have had quotes exactly from the family and like people involved. So he had like exclusive quotes and everything. Oh wow! Because these people were very secretive about the whole situation. I mean, yeah, it's creepy. <laughs> yeah. But... So like he, but he got an interview with them. That's awesome. So I have quotes from the family themselves and people involved. So it's very exciting. Um, I also want to point out I'll be reading some letters. You know, that was from the watcher later mm-hmm. throughout this case. But they're not going to be 100% accurate because this case is very, like, closed, solid. Nothing's, like, 100% this is exactly what the letter said. But mainly from Reeves and, like, his interview, this is what he gathered of what the letter said. And he kind of pieced them together. But he also, like, pointed out it's not 100% accurate, but it's basically what was in there. Yeah. The family does not want people to know exactly what the letter said. So. Yeah. Just want to point that out. That way, there's no, you know, false intentions. Yes. <laughs> but let's get started. Woo. So there is currently a very popular like TV series on Netflix called The Watcher, created by Ryan Murphy and Ian Brennan on Netflix. You obviously have heard of the actual case, but have you heard of that show? Yes, I have. Um, I haven't watched though. I really want to. Is it pretty accurate to the case, or is it like really no. embellished? <laughs> it's okay. very embellished. It's very Hollywood. Because okay. once again, it's very like the family. You'll I'll cover it later too. The family wanted this case very closed, solid. Yeah. And they didn't want a lot out. Like it took a while for them to actually talk about it. Yeah. Like the interview I got from them was from 2022. Wow. So they really yeah. didn't want to talk about it for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And when did this case take place? Uh, 2014. Okay. So yeah, so that yeah. took them a while. Yeah, yeah. It took them a few years to yeah. like finally feel comfortable to say stuff. And you'll see why later. Yeah. It's wild. But no, I've seen the show. I watched the show before I even knew about the case. Yeah. Um, I had no idea it was a re- real case when I watched the show. Yeah. I thought it was just some like creepy show. I'm like, oh, I love creepy shit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's fucking real. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's great to watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was a it was a good show, but definitely embellished. Yeah. I'll have to watch it. But our case today is about the true events that actually happened, not what the show embellished. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so Derek and Maria Bratis live in Manhattan along with their three kids. Their names are unknown and they're not important. And you will see why later. Their kids' names are not out in the world. And yeah. there's very valid reasons why. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes sense because, like, someone's, like, watching you, you don't want to, like... Well, and later you will... So there's very, very clear evidence why they should not. Yeah. Their name should not be in the world. And I'm excited because um, I haven't heard anything from this case in a while, so the fact that you have stuff from, like, 2022 tells me that I'm probably going to learn something new about this case. Well, and it's the interview, too, so yeah, excited for that. Yeah, definitely. That will be, like, scattered throughout the the case because they just kind of retold the story to this guy, so... Yeah. It's exciting. So Derek worked for a big insurance company while Maria was a stay-at-home mom. In early 2014, Derek got a massive promotion to senior vice president of the company, Dang. which then came with a giant salary increase. So yeah. he was living large. Right. As soon as they had received the news about Derek's promotion, they knew they wanted to get out of the city and find a home that they felt like they could actually call a home. You know? Yeah. They, didn't, they probably lived in some, like, tiny little place in the middle of the city. But they had three kids at this point. Like, yeah. They wanted more room. <laughs> yeah, you need you need room when you have kids. Yeah, like with the yard and everything. They just wanted room yeah. to move. <laughs> so they started looking in Westfield, which is the town that Maria had grown up in. Mm-hmm. 
Westfield is a town made of 30,000 residents and is about 22 miles outside of Manhattan. So it's still like close enough for him to get into his work. Yeah. It's a very wealthy town made up of primarily families ranking in at the 99th richest city in America. Damn. And the 18th richest city in New Jersey, which is wild because that means there's 17 richer cities in New Jersey. <laughs> True. <laughs> that are also in like the richest cities of America too. Yeah. Wealth over yeah. there. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. This is the 18th richest. That's Jesus. Yeah. It's kind of wild. It's also ranked the 30th safest town in the United States. So it's very, very safe. Yeah. So I see like why they wouldn't have like buy a house in that area. Like, damn. Well, and they're wealthy now, so they yeah. can afford to like exactly, live yeah. in a super safe neighborhood. The most pressing issues that were happening around this time were that the roof had collapsed at their local Trader Joe's. And that they were getting a little more strict on their parking rules. That really tells you what was going on in that time. Right, I know. <laughs> that was like the headline news. That the roof had collapsed at their Trader Joe's. <laughs> like, damn, we're going to buy our groceries now. <laughs> I mean, I'd feel the same way. I'd be very upset. Yeah. <laughs> it's also important to point out, because it kind of gives you a feel for this neighborhood, it was 86% white. So, and you know most of them were straight. Yeah. <laughs> you just know. Yeah. It's or very, very closeted. Very cookie cutter, white bread kind of a town. Yeah. <laughs> like, no diversity whatsoever. I'm getting, like, this is where my mind goes. I'm getting, like, you know the town in you when, like, after he marries um, love? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm getting that kind of vibe. Yeah, except for they were more diverse. That's true. So that w- there was like black people there. That know? is true. Yeah. They were actually very self, like sex positive, in that town. Yeah. This does not give that vibe. That is true. <laughs> this vibe gives very everybody's very serious. Yeah. And like. I just imagine like love and like the bakery. And yeah. That that is kind of the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone seems happy. Right. <laughs> when maybe they're not. Yeah. But that is exactly where Derek and Maria wanted to raise their family. And right around June of 2014, a few days after Derek's 40th birthday, they had found the perfect home, which was only a few blocks away from Maria's childhood home. So they were oh, like, nice. yeah, they were very local where she grew her, up. Do you know if her parents still live there? Or, oh, it, nice. Her parents were still in the area, so they're going to be right down the road yeah. from their family. So it was like a perfect location, yeah. It was a six-bedroom, four-bathroom home, equaling almost 4,000 square feet. Damn. It had a good yard and plenty of space for their family of five. A lot more than plenty of space. Had a lot of space. Yeah. I saw pictures of this house. Plenty of space. It was also a very well sought after home. It was on the boulevard, which is a tree-lined street with some of the most desirable homes in town. It was well known in that area that if you made it to the boulevard, then you've made it in life. So it was like the yeah. rich t- street of the rich town. Yeah. That's exact. And they were in, like, they wanted the most desirable home. Like, the biggest. Damn. Best home. Was, on the best street in the best <laughs> They They were balling. <laughs> they were. They wanted the best of the best of the best, basically. Yeah. yeah uh, you want to hear the lovely price of this home? Oh, I'm it's scared. It's so cheap. Sitting at, at an asking price of $1.3 million only. Damn. Only. Yeah, Only. Only. <laughs> 657 Boulevard was one of the grandest homes on the block. Because it was. Yeah. The couple that currently owned the home were John and Andrea Wood. And they had put up, uh, and when they had put up their home for sale, 
they immediately received multiple offers that were above their asking price. Yeah. The broadest is being one of them. Now, they never said how much they paid for the home, but it was above the $1.3 million. Yeah. Because... It would have to have been if it was, like, yeah. a bidding war. Yeah. <laughs> so, they never said how much they paid, but just imagine $1.3 million and more. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a hefty amount more, too. Yeah, I'm sure. Luckily for... Oh, sorry. I was just saying, because when there's a bidding war, like, people get, like, yeah, no, wild. And especially, like, in a rich town. Yeah. Those people have money to spend. Yeah. Like, you have to bid high to win. Yeah. But luckily for the Broadduses, the two poten- potential buyers that were before them had both backed out. One due to a bad medical diagnosis, and another because they had found a different home they liked more. There's reasons. <laughs> Better than that home, Rich geez. people issues. Right, I know. <laughs> so, just a few short days after putting in an offer, they got their home. Like, it went, like, boom, 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 done. Like, they had their house. Yeah, that's really good. Doesn't it, like, usually take a while? Yeah, but this was such a big, like, people wanted it so badly. Yeah, true. That they were in a rush yeah. <laughs> to, like, fill out that paperwork and get it done. Yeah. It's not our normal house buying situation, to put it that way. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I guess I wouldn't know because I haven't bought a house. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely took a lot shorter than the usual, yeah. I think, house buying. I've also never bought a house. Yeah, but <laughs> true. Just, that's what the vibe I got from it, yeah. was it was very quick. Like, yeah. Filled out the paperwork and they were done. The house was a little bit older, having been built in 1905, and needed some renovations, but that wasn't something that concerned the Broadduses. Of course not. They have money. Right. <laughs> so, shortly after closing, the family hired contractors and got started on the renovations. Like, imagine buying a $1.3 plus million dollar house and then having to do renovations after that. Yeah, so, yeah no. Money. I wouldn't spend that much money on a house if I had to do renovations. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. I can't even afford this house. I know. So. I mean, I'm going to buy a house that costs that much anyway. Like, not. <laughs> Sorry. Well, everything was going great until something happened that would shake everything up. Three days after they started renovations, so very quickly after, Derek went to check the mail. They hadn't been getting much in the mail since they were so new to the house, obviously, three days, and hadn't given their new address out to many people. Mainly just junk mail and some mail from previous owners. However, on this day, Derek noticed something unusual. Stacked in between a small pile of junk mail was a white envelope with what looked like it had a card in it. On the front was thick and clunky writing that just read, The New Owner. It had no return address on the envelope. When Derek opened the envelope, he found a typed letter up inside. The letter read, these are long letters, so. Okay. <laughs> Breathe. Okay. <laughs> Deep breath and go. go. <laughs> Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its horse within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now. And as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that they can destroy the house as it is supposed to be. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. 
You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Are there more on the way? Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard. And all the people who swear by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. The Watcher. Damn. And that one was very accurate to the very first, like, to the first letter. So. That is so creepy. Just, yeah. like, he wants to know the names of the children. And mm-hmm. that would, like, that would make me, like, paranoid as fuck. He wants to make his names. I mean, they just moved into this damn house. Yeah. And that's the letter that they received. Yeah. That's freaky as fuck. Yeah. But, I wonder if, like, the previous owners got any letters like that because the house needed renovations and you feel like they would have done it. It will be covered soon. Okay. I'll find out. <laughs> you will find out literally in like two paragraphs yeah. now. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> when Derek had read this letter, it was after 10 p.m. and he was all alone. <laughs> Poor man. <laughs> God. I feel that. <laughs> read it too at like 10 p.m. <laughs> As all the contractors and workers had gone home and his family was at their place in Manhattan. He ran around the house, turning off all the lights so no one could see inside, and then immediately called the Westfield Police Department. An officer drove over to his house to check out the letter, and after he got done reading, made me laugh, all he could say is, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> very, very much agree with that. Yeah. The officer asked Derek if him or his family had any enemies or if there'd be any reason someone would be targeting them. Derek couldn't think of anyone or any reason, so the officer told Derek to contact him if he thought of anything or if they received any more suspicious letters. The officer also suggested that Derek move any big construction equipment away from the house to prevent, you know, anyone from putting harm in the house or breaking a window yeah. and breaking in. So, because they had a lot of shit just scattered all over the yard. So, Once the officer left, Derek rushed back to their place in Manhattan and informed his wife of what just happened. After going over the whole situation with her and trying to figure out what they should do next, they decided to contact the previous owners of the house. Yes. John and Andrea Woods. The Broadduses thought they might have some sort of clue as to who had sent the weird letters. They wrote up an email that evening asking if they had ever received letters like this or what the watcher meant by the young blood they requested. That was a really creepy yeah. way to put it. <laughs> right? Like a sacrifice. Yes. <laughs> like, that's what I thought when I initially read it. I'm like, are we talking like sacrifice? Like, what the hell are you talking about? Right? I think he's just talking about children. But yeah. it's creepy. Yeah, the way you worded Like, it's the way you worded it. Like, yeah. <laughs> Don't like that. No. They sent it off and tried to get some sleep, hoping to hear back from them quickly. Which, I don't know how the fuck you sleep after that. I no. wouldn't. I no. never sleep again. No. Even if this You're... was, like, even this, if this is where the case ended, i never sleep again. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's fucked up my sleep. Well, you have insomnia. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Probably a neat problem. <laughs> Luckily, Andrea replied the following morning with some disturbing news. They had, in fact, received a letter from the watcher just a few days before moving out. Oh, wow. Which is super weird. Yeah. Sadly, they didn't remember what the letter had said because they just thought it was odd and threw it away in the trash. They don't remember it being threatening, though. 
because they said they would have reported it if it was like a threatening letter yeah they just thought it was kind of like an odd weird like prank almost yeah um it just had some vague remarks about the watcher's family like observing the house so like it's creepy but also they just kind of thought it was a prank yeah so according to andrea the letter they received was the only one they'd ever received in their whole 23 years of living there because they were there for a long time and nothing ever happened yeah so they're just kind of like oh this is weird Never had any reason to expect like foul play. Yeah. <clears throat> Later that day, Maria and Andrea went down to the police station to report this and to inform them that this might not just be a prank. Detective Le- Leonard, I think it's Leonard. <laughs> Leonard Lugo loves his name. <laughs> Leonard Lugo told them not to tell anyone else about the letters and especially not the neighbors, as all of them were now suspects. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The next few weeks, the Brazos continued with the renovations, but were on very high alert while they were at the house. I bet, because like you can't even like get to know your neighbors at that point. No, they just had to be super secretive with like, yeah. everybody. Like, Vague. Yeah, like even if like the was it the police officer that said that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if like the police officer didn't say, like you can't talk, you can't tell your neighbors. Like mm-hmm. I still like wouldn't feel comfortable like. Telling like not even just like telling them but just like being near them inviting them in your home <laughs> yeah because you don't know right yeah even like the construction workers you have to think too it's like what if one of them is like yeah. being creeper too you know like yeah i mean i guess not because the previous owners got letters too i mean and... but they could have known it was only like a few days before they moved out that's true so they could have known like yeah there's gonna be stuff happening here <laughs> that's true yeah you just never know it literally could have been anyone at this point yeah maybe it was, i don't know you're already having speculation. We haven't even gotten to that part yet. Horribly. I know. Just <laughs> At like, this oh, point, they're just a creepy. little paranoid. <laughs> I know. I'd be really fucking paranoid. Like, I'm gonna solve this case now. <laughs> I wanna know. <laughs> well, we'll get to more evidence later. Okay. This is unsolved, but we will get to more evidence later. Okay. <laughs> um, Derek had a big work trip coming up that would require him to be gone for a few days in a different state. But he canceled that as he didn't feel comfortable leaving his family or his new home alone, like alone for that long. Yeah. Don't blame him. His wife was probably also like, You're not fucking going. I know. <laughs> You're staying here. I know. It's probably less like his choice and more. Like... I was about to say, I think he probably wanted to go. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, get away. Yeah. But she's like, Fuck no. Yeah. Stay. Yeah. You ain't going fucking anywhere, bitch. <laughs> oh my god. The couple would go visit the house almost daily, checking on the progress of renovations and looking for anything suspicious, just, like, keeping their eyes open. Mm-hmm. While they would be there, they would do their best to not yell their yell their names or their kids' names out loudly, like, anywhere in the house, outside the house. Yeah. They try to, like, whisper names and stuff. But that's nearly impossible when you have three kids in a busy and loud construction site. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. There were multiple times that Derek and Maria would slip up and yell their kids' names outside if one of the kids were wandering too far. Or they would have, like, contractors yelling their names to get their attention. Because they also never told the contractors or workers about the letters. Yeah. So, like, nobody but them, the woods, and the police knew at this point about the letters. Yeah. The contractors would just scream in their names everywhere. And, yeah. Like, they're like, shh, yeah. shut up. <laughs> <laughs> They also limited the amount of time they interacted with neighbors. They went a while without any suspicious behavior happening, so they let their guard down a little. 
They met a nice couple who lived in their neighborhood, and Derek decided to let them stop by and take a little tour to see what they done with the place. Mm-hmm. I guess this couple was probably in the neighborhood for a long time, you know? Yeah. What'd you do with the place? Everything was going good, until the wife made a comment about their children. And I quote, It'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. End quote. That's what the neighbor said? Mm-hmm. That's what the wife that's, of the couple said. That's really fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. I was like, that's not a normal word to use. No. <laughs> normal way to put it. No. Why don't they say children? Yeah. Kids? <laughs> yeah, like something like young blood. Like, I wouldn't... Ew. Yeah. Like, if, like when neighbors move into our apartments and they have kids, I'm like, ooh, young blood. That's not that's what I'm looking creepy. <laughs> that's not what I say. That's not what I think. Like, my house. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was a weird choice of words from her. Yeah. So after she made that comment, Derek quickly ended the tour and sent them on their way. Yeah. There's no, no. Go away. Yeah. There's also another incident where the general contractor had arrived one morning to find a very heavy sign. He had to, like, hammer it into the ground was ripped out from the ground overnight. What, like, what sign? Just a giant, like, metal sign that he had to, like, hammer into the ground. Probably, like, a construction site oh, sign. Oh, yeah. You know, like, a safety sign. Yeah, probably. But yeah. one that people couldn't easily move yeah. out of the way. So someone just, like, come and ripped it out of the ground and threw it across the yard. Damn. So. Right. Someone's mad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> someone's mad. Yes. Two weeks after the first letter had arrived, Maria had stopped by the house to look at a couple things and to check the mail. As she's going through the mail, she saw a card-shaped envelope with a thick black lettering on the front. She immediately called the police, and together with an officer, she read the letter. My heart would just, like, drop, like, getting, like, just the envelope. That's what I imagined every time I was, like, it got to, like, that point in the story. I was like, oh, my God. I would just, like, die right there. Yeah. Wouldn't want to read it. Right. (laughs) But the letter said, it's another big one. You guys ready? Right. (laughs) Strapping creeped out again. This one's creepier, in my opinion. Like, they get creepier. Yeah. So, strap in. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what's in the walls yet? In time, they will. Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Braddis, I have learned a lot about you in the past weeks especially your children. I am pleased to know your names now and the name of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It's been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the ba- play in the basement? Or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will they all sleep or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It'll help me know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the Watcher, and I have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, 
my life, my obsession. And now you are too the bride of Stanley. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard. And now it has brought you to me. Have a happy move-in day. You know I will be watching. And Damn. I'd be moving the fuck out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, hell no. If the first letter didn't do it, this one surely would have. Yeah, for real. I don't give a shit anymore. Yeah. Like, I don't care what we've done to the place. I don't care how much we've paid for it. We're getting the fuck out. Yeah. Now, fuck that letter. Because, like, Sam, you couldn't hear them scream. Mm -hmm. Like, hell no. And, like, which room are they going to be sleeping in? I'll know when you move in. Yeah. So I can plan better. Like, plan for what? What the fuck are you doing? I know. I hated this one. Yeah. I think that was one of the harder ones for me to read. Because I'm like, Oh God! Oh God! Uh uh-uh. Right. I I went by the after that one. Yeah. Now this is the one that you know you don't want to have to be near windows when yes. you read that one because holy shit. Right. No thanks. Yeah. <laughs> after that unsettling letter, Maria and Derek decide to stop bringing their kids to the house. I wonder why. Yeah. I wonder why. They are no longer sure if they even wanted to move into the house or if they just wanted to finish renovating it and put it back on the market. Yeah. As they were deciding, they also started to spend less time at the house. Yeah. <laughs> Only when it was super necessary, you know, so like checking mail, looking at renovation and progress, mm. but not there for fun. No. Or leisure. Several, re- several weeks, I can't speak, <laughs> several weeks after they stopped going as often, there was a letter in their mailbox. Fun. It just simply read, where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. That's it. Soul dead. Wow. A little creepy. Yeah. Especially after the other one. Little, yeah. A little creepy. A little ominous. The Broadduses decided to do a little investigation themselves to see if they could figure out who it was so they could possibly have peace of mind again in their home. Because, like, who the fuck is this? Right. And, like, yeah. the police didn't have a lot to go on at this point either. Yeah. Like, no return address. And, yeah. Can't do much with that. Yeah. So they started doing their own investigation. <laughs> At first, they wonder if it was someone who wanted the home but lost it to the family. That's what I was wondering, yeah. They asked the Woods if they thought that could be the case, but Andrea didn't think so, as the two fires before them had backed out on their own. True, yeah. So she she didn't really think that was the case. Also, the people that didn't, they didn't really seem upset about it, because they were rich. They just found another one right, immediately true. afterwards. <laughs> They're playing with money I don't understand, so yeah. <laughs> they can just move on quickly. Right. Andrea had proposed another theory, though. She asked, would the mention of the contractor trucks and your children suggest there's someone in the neighborhood? That's exactly what she said. Yeah. From what they could tell, the letter did indicate someone close by. They were being processed in Kearney. I think that's how you pronounce it. Sorry if I'm wrong. <laughs> not from the area. I'm glad I'm not the only one that can't, like, speak or pronounce things. It just makes me feel a lot better. So. I'm not from New Jersey. I have no idea. which was the USPS Distribution Center in northern New Jersey. The first letter was postmarked before the sale had even gone public, and the Woods never put up a for sale sign since everything had happened so quickly. They didn't have time to put up a for sale sign. Yeah. Probably didn't have time to receive one. (laughs) All the renovations were also interior, and people living in the area said it was never loud or unusually noisy. Like, even with all the construction happening. Yeah. It was just, like, very mild noise. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, like, something that's going to grab people's ears, like, attention yeah. from, like, far away. And, like, annoy them. Mm-hmm. 
They also showed Detective Voodoo around the house, showing him the amount of vegetation and bushes that were around the house. In order for someone to easily see inside all the windows, they would either have to be right next to the house or, like, right next door. Yeah. So, like, very, very close to the house. All of these little facts proved to Derek and Maria that it had to be a neighbor, as someone who didn't live close by wouldn't know about everything going on at the house. Like, yeah. either that or they'd have to be, like, camping out somewhere, so it would be almost obvious. Yeah. Like, they're obviously hiding somewhere or in a house. Yeah. Right next door. A few days later, one of their neighbors was throwing a barbecue and had invited Maria and Derek along with their three kids. Maria and Derek were a little hesitant, obviously, yeah, but decided good to reason. go. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, I don't know if I trust you all, but we'll go. Right. They did want to meet some of their neighbors since not all of them could be the watchers. That would be fucking insane. Right. <laughs> they all just like collided. Neighborhood thing. <laughs> we don't want all new neighbors. It's all, co- it's all combined. <laughs> and this was also a good time to observe all the neighbors and watch for any clues. So, True. Using as a spooky time. Right. When they got there, they were on high alert, making sure their kids were right next to them at all times. Maria had later said about the barbecue, I quote, We kept screaming at them to stay close, like their kids. Yeah. People must have thought we were crazy, end quote. So that's a hectic barbecue to be <laughs> Yeah. But they did not want their kids to leave their side. I don't blame them, though. Yelling at them the entire time. That's the thing, like, when you, like, can judge parents for, like, being quote-unquote crazy, but, like, you don't know the full situation all the time, you know what I mean? Like, they had a very valid reason to be screaming at their children. Exactly. Stay right by them. Yeah. You know, like, if kids were trying to pull them away to play, they were like, fuck no. Yeah, like, you could think it's a helicopter parent thing, but it's not, like... Not always. No, not always. Can be, but it's not always. Yeah. As they started talking to their neighbors, Derek had gotten a lead on somebody. He was talking with John Schmidt. I think that's how you say it. <laughs> I always apologize for names I feel like I pronounced wrong. No, you're good. Schmidt. I think that's how you say it. Who lived two doors down from 657 Boulevard. Schmidt brought up the Lanefords, who lived in between the Broadduses and the Schmidts. So they were like the house right in between. Okay. Peggy Laneford was in her 90s, and several of her adult children, all in their 60s, lived with her. John explained that they were a bit odd and didn't get out much to socialize, but they were pretty harmless. The neighbors never had any issues with them. They just kept to themselves a lot, which was unusual for this neighborhood, because this was a very, like, chatty neighborhood. Like, everybody's in each other's business, so they thought it was weird when someone was reserved and, like, kept to themselves a lot more. Yeah. That'll come up later, too, so just remember that. (laughs) It's weird for people to be reserved. Yeah. Which is what the Broadduses are doing. Locked in my head. Yeah. <laughs> Once Derek had heard about the Langfords, he thought the case was solved. Immediately. He was like, it's all, it all added up in his head. The Langfords had been in Westfield since the 1960s, which is when, when the watcher said his family had begun observing the house, like his father yeah. had begun. The Langfords' house was close enough to the Broaddus' house and was at the perfect angle where you could easily see inside if you tried. Okay. Richard Langford, Peggy's husband, had died 12 years earlier, and the current watcher had said they'd been on the job for the better part of two decades. Okay. So, yeah, it's kind of adding up. Yeah. <laughs> Peggy's youngest son, Michael, also currently did not have a job and just kind of kind of sat around at home all day. Neighbors claiming they barely see him except for his occasional walks. So, started adding up very quickly. Yeah. Seems like a really good suspect. Yeah. Derek immediately went to Detective Ludos with the information he had found, but Ludos already knew about Michael. 
A week after the first letter had arrived, he brought Michael Langford to police headquarters for an interview. Michael had denied knowing anything about the letters, but Derek was persistent with him, saying that the narrative matched things mentioned in the letter, which it did. Yeah. The stories were lining up. Lulu told him there wasn't much they could do without hard evidence or a confession, but Derek wouldn't take that as an answer. He was quoted saying, and I quote, This is someone who threatened my kids, and the police are saying probably nothing's going to happen. Probably isn't good enough for me. If the police don't take care of the situation, they will have a different kind of case on their hands. This person attacked my family. Where I'm from, if you do that, you get your ass beat. End quote. Damn. He told the police that. Yeah. He was like, mm. <laughs> like yeah. I don't give a shit if you're interviewed this guy. Do it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, I don't blame him. Like, he's a protective dad. Yeah. He's very, and also he's scared shitless. Yeah. I would be, they've gotten three letters at this point. Yeah. All very vaguely threatening. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Third one, maybe not so threatening and yeah. just like ominous and creepy. Like, where the fuck you at? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, not your business. Hurry up, bro. Talking to Celia. <laughs> yeah. Frustrated with the whole thing, Derek gave up hope with help from the police and took matters into his own hands and became obsessed with finding out who this was. He set up webcams all around and inside 657 Boulevard, and he had spent nights crouched in the dark, watching to see if anyone was watching the house at close range. He had made multiple copies of all three letters, a few of which he had shared with close family and friends from outside of the neighborhood. Like, he was, you know, not sharing them with people close by, but, like, close friends from Manhattan and stuff to be like, look at this creepy-ass thing. Right. (laughs) He also had a map displaying when each of the neighbors had moved in with overlays marking possible sight lines from their windows and a circle for approximate range of earshot. To estimate who might have heard them yelling at their kids in the yard or overhear the contractors yelling their names. So he was like, he had a whole ass investigation room. Like he was ready. Yeah. <laughs> he was trying to figure out who this was. Maria had thought her husband had gone completely insane, which valid in a way because he was obsessing over it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't sleeping at home anymore at this point. He was like in the house in the dark watching for people. Like, He's gone a little obsessed with it. Yeah, I mean, same time, I don't know if I really blame him. <laughs> I get that. Yeah, I mean, like, holy shit, like, he, like you said, he was, like, scared shitless, probably, was, yeah. and, like... Trying to protect his family. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine, like, getting those letters. But then it's also bad when you stop spending time with your family. That is true, yeah. To then obsess over this instead. Yeah. Because that's kind of what was happening with him. He yeah. was, like... All his free time was at the house now. Yeah. Not in Manhattan with his family. I'd be wanting to spend more time Who with Who was also scared shitless, by the yeah. way. <laughs> like, everybody I, was. Yeah. Do the kids know that the letters do now? No. The kids don't. Oh, that's good. But, like, they just know they're not moving to their house. Yeah. So they're, like, confused, probably. Like, what the fuck? We just bought this, like, $1.3 million home. I know. Like, <laughs> Why are we there? bedroom. <laughs> I know. Why are we there? <laughs> they're probably more confused. And Maria was probably stressed out. Yeah, and like, like he, I would want to be with my kids more to protect them. Like, yeah, I wouldn't, I like, care, like, who's going to attack my house. Yeah. I would be more like, who's going to, what, are they watching to know where, where we're at now? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, like, valid. for all we know, like, they could have followed us. Yeah. <laughs> it is all valid. Yeah. But Maria decided it was time to ask different professionals for help, since the local police were not doing much about it, and Michael needed to stop mm-hmm. being so obsessed. Yeah. First, they hired a private investigator to stock out the neighborhood and run background checks on the Langfords. 
but they weren't able to find anything noteworthy. There's nothing came up with that. Okay. That wasn't good enough for Derek's, so he reached out to a former FBI agent who used to be on the high school board of trustees with him. They also hired former FBI agent Robert God, Lenahan. Lenahan, gonna go with it. Just roll with it. Yep, rolling with it, <laughs> along with them, to conduct a threat assessment. Right away, Lenahan recognized several old-fashioned ticks in the letters that pointed to an older writer. Okay. The way the writer spoke and almost like how polite it sounded gave him the idea along with apparently double spaces between sentences. Apparently that means that it's an older writer. That's really cool. Like, I've always wanted to, like, study, like, handwriting, just because, like, it's so cool when they can, like, tell, like, all these different things. From, like, that. Like, I wouldn't even thought about the double Based on the littlest thing, you know? Like, the double space, like, sentences? Yeah. I wouldn't even thought about that. Yeah. But he said that's, like, a thing with older writers. That's wild. That's really cool. Also, the letters contained very little profanity, which was surprising to the agents, as there seemed to be a lot of anger behind the statements being made. Yeah. Which also kind of led to, you know, an older person not wanting to use a lot of profanity. Yeah. But still trying to get their point across. Yeah. <laughs> For the young blood. Yeah. God, creepy. So gross. God. God. <laughs> Both those things are <laughs> Lenahan thought it might be a less macho writer, whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> Didn't understand that quote, but that's yeah. exactly what he called it. Yeah. Who might have gotten his inspiration from a movie called The Watcher. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> Which was about a serial killer who stopped the detective trying to catch him. So, maybe. He also didn't think that the writer was actually going to act on his threats, but the letters contained a lot of typos and errors. Mm -hmm. You couldn't tell that from me reading it, because I'm not going to read out typos and errors. Yeah. But there were a lot of typos and errors in the original letters. Okay. Leading them to believe that the letters were typed out either in a hurry or during some sort of, like, manic episode from someone. Okay. Just typing quickly, not thinking. Yeah. During their investigation, a new letter... Fun. Had arrived in the Broadus' mailbox. I forgot that happened that quickly. <laughs> With the same card-like envelope and same chunky lettering on the front. Oh, God. Okay. This time, <laughs> the letter read, I quote, Are you one of those Hoboken transplants who are ruining Westfield? The house is crying from all the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are sealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard, when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old, and so did my father, but he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. End quote. That's really fucking creepy. I fucking hate the young blood thing. I know. Like, <laughs> it's so creepy. Why word it like that? I mean, no, I, I know he's like, tr- I'm sure he's trying to be. They're just trying really, to be very ominous and, and creepy. creepy. Yeah. But still, though, creepy. it just gives sacrificial vibes. It does. Especially <laughs> the young blood thing. Stop using young blood. I know. No other term people use. No. <laughs> Unless they're about to sacrifice. Right. <laughs> My normal term that you use for children. No. They are children. Yes. Oh my god. Very <laughs> Do that again. <laughs> We're both feeling the same way. We're both like, ew. <laughs> Gives me ick. It does. Major ick. Yeah. After reading that letter, Lenahan suggested looking to the former housekeepers or their descendants. 
He thought maybe the Watcher was jealous of the Broadduses, were able to buy such a you know such a big home that mm-hmm. the Watcher could never afford, but really wanted. But they also kept their focus on the Langfords because obviously giant suspectors are. Yeah. And started using different strategies to make them confess. First, with help from the Westfield Police Department, Derek wrote a letter to the Langfords announcing that they were going to completely tear down their house and start from scratch. Hoping that would prompt a response from the Watcher, because, you know, that would upset the fuck out of the Watcher. Mm-hmm. After a couple weeks, they heard nothing, though. Detective Lugo also brought Michael Langford back in for questioning, but nothing new was discovered, and he still denies knowing anything about the letters. Abby Langford, Michael's older sister, accused the police and the Broadduses of harassing their family and told them all to leave her family alone. Of course, the Broadduses didn't listen, because they thought they were suspects. So they're like, fuck no. Yeah. And they eventually hired Lee Levitt. God, these names are wild. <laughs> I think it's Lee Levitt, a lawyer, to sit down with several members of the Langford family to show them the evidence. Of course, the Langfords ended up getting their own attorney for these meetings, because they're about to be accused. Yeah. And to help in the fight against the Broadduses. During these meetings, Lee showed them all the letters that had been sent, along with photos explaining how their house had perfect vantage points to easily see onto the property and into windows. He also explained how they were in perfect earshot range to hear any yelling that might be happening at 657, explaining why the Watcher would know the names of the whole family. The meetings all got very tense, but every single one of the Langfords insisted Michael was innocent and none of them had anything to do with this. So they were very much like, not us. Yeah. Get the fuck away from us. Right. <laughs> All of this investigating worrying has started to take a dull dull? What the hell? <laughs> toll. Sorry. <laughs> I was reading ahead yeah, on good. Derek and Maria. <laughs> yeah. God, I'm good. Um, they both started to have vivid dreams about it. Derek once had a dream in which he confronted Peggy, the mother of Michael, and demanded she build an eight foot fence between their properties. Maria was having more intense dreams, however. Like, his sounded just like something he wanted to do super badly. Yeah. Maria was having very scary dreams, though. Because one night, she had a dream about a man who lived nearby. Now, it wasn't, like, a real guy. It was just someone in her dreams who she imagined lived nearby. I was confused about that, but it clarifies it. It was not a real man. Okay. She claimed he was wearing boots and carrying a pitchfork while calling their kids' names. She was quoted saying, I couldn't get to them in time. She was quoted while, like, recounting her dream. Yeah. She was becoming consumed by the Watcher. So, in her dream, the kid yeah. died. Oh. By the guy with the pitchfork. Yeah. I mean, I'd be having the same kind of dreams, I feel like, yeah. too. Like, that, like she was having yeah. very vivid dreams of her family dying. And Derek was having dreams of just confronting people. Because that's, like, the vibe the letters give, though. That they mm-hmm. want to, like, kill. Yeah. They don't give, like, hey, I want to get to know you better, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's be friends. That's not how you make friends. <laughs> you don't send them letters like that. You don't? Oh, sure. Yeah, why not? Try unsend some letters. I know. <laughs> Gotta get them back from the post office. <laughs> she was becoming consumed by the Watcher, which made living her daily life almost impossible. She was extra aware of people and what they were doing, and she was out, you know, doing errands. She would especially watch people's faces if she had her kids with her, to see if anyone anyone looked strangely at them. She would also spend 
hours Googling anybody who even seemed a little suspicious to her. So she was starting to also be very consumed. Yeah. Which, like, I just want to know what her, their kids were thinking at this time. Yeah. Their parents are both obsessed with, like, other things, but the kids still don't know. Yeah. So they're probably like, what the fuck is wrong with mom and dad? And, like, what's happening? Why aren't we at our house yet? And, <laughs> like, so many questions. What the fuck happened to mom and dad? I know. What's happening? We just bought a $1.3 million phone. Why are we still here? I know. Well, the Langfords were definitely top of their suspect list still. Police had to inform Derek and Maria that there were reasons to consider other suspects. First of all, Lugo had confronted Michael before letter number two was sent, so it seemed reckless of him to send three more letters after that. Yeah, for sure. They still had the rest of the neighborhood to consider. The private investigator had found two different people who had been convicted as child sex offenders within a few blocks of them. Oh, shit. Their house painter, Bill Woodward, had also confessed confessed to knowing, noticing, my God, sorry, had also confessed to noticing (laughs) something suspicious when he was questioned. There was a couple in the house directly behind 657, like, you know, looking over their backyard, basically. And they kept a pair of lawn chairs strangely close to the Barraza's property. He was quoted saying, One day I was looking out the window, and I saw this older guy sitting in one of the chairs. He wasn't facing his house, but he was facing the Broadduses. That's, that's creepy as fuck. Yeah. Like, so. why are you watching? Like, I don't understand just, like, watching someone's house. I don't think I either. Especially with all this going on. Like, yeah. fuck, he looks like a suspect now. Right? <laughs> no. You can see some, like, innocent old man just trying to, like, be weird and nosy. Like, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Even with all these leads, by the end of 2014, the investigation had stalled. The watcher had left no digital trail, no fingerprints, and no way to place anyone at the scene of the crime. They tried re- huh? I was just say, do you know if they interviewed that guy that was watching in his lawn chair? I don't think so. I have- Because, like, later on, it'll come up that, like, none of the neighbors were really actually investigated. Which is weird. Yeah, to me, like, I remember, like, hearing about, when I've heard about this case in the past, I remember hearing about that guy, and to me, he's always been, like, a really good suspect. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that he wasn't interviewed, like, just... He comes up later, too. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. But he just, he's a good suspect to me. I mean, least, think but... with the lady that toured the house, that yeah. neighbor. No, exactly. There's a lot that are like, good suspects. They should have, like, interviewed them. Yeah, but no, the police just didn't do that. Like, they didn't seem to care just because they didn't think anything was going to happen. But it's like, police tend to do that, right? Where mm-hmm. they just, they don't, like, do anything until something happens. And mm-hmm. you shouldn't have to get to a point where something happens. And that's kind of how they're treating this case. Like, they're just waiting for the big thing to happen. Yeah. And then they would treat it, like, seriously. So they're just kind of like, oh. Like, nothing's happened nothing yet, you know. Happening. I'm guilty later, too, like, that, like, they ignored some things, too, so. Just, yeah, it bugs me. It does, kind of. They tried reading the letters closely for possible clues, but most of it felt like nonsensical ramblings. It was like trying to find a needle in haystacks. Yeah. In December of 2014, the Westfield police had told Derek and Maria they had run out of options, and they could not use up their time to investigate this more unless they got a lead with hard evidence. So they just kind of left it. The renovation still continued in 657, and Derek even had a priest come bless the house to ward off all the negativity that had stacked up there. He's like, get the fuck away. (laughs) No more negativity. Great. They also had a nice alarm system installed in the house to help them feel secure. A few months after their investigation was stalled, the renovations were complete. So they got done pretty quickly, honestly. 
However, the thought of moving into that house had Derek and Maria filled with overwhelming anxiety. Even with the alarms, they still didn't feel safe. Yeah. They didn't feel comfortable having their kids play in the yard or have any friends over. And every day they were filled with fear about another letter showing up in their mailbox. They started looking into better security options. Um, Derek priced out how much a trained German Shepherd would be, you know, yeah. like security. And they also posted a job online for military veterans. So basically, they're, it's a job posting for someone to go work in their backyard all day and just yeah. like keep surveillance on the house. But Derek and Maria were feeling conflicted about those options. Since they had bought the house in the first place to give their kids like a yard to play in and the opportunity to be kids and run around the neighborhood with friends and stuff. Yeah. And not just stay bunkered in all the time, you know, behind security dogs and a veteran <laughs> yeah. in the backyard. Plus, Derek and Maria wanted to be able to have guests over and not fear, feel paranoid about every single person that walked through the door. Yeah. So. For real. Yeah. Maria was later quoted saying, At the end of the day, it came down to what you were willing to risk. We weren't going to put our kids in harm's way. End quote. Yeah. So they were feeling very... Exactly. Not worried about moving yeah. in. <laughs> no, I, yeah, like I said, I'd be getting a new place. Yeah. Derek had to respond to occasional alarms at the house, sometimes even in the middle of the night. He would bring a knife with him, but every time he got to the house, he never saw anyone there. So just ominous, like, alarms going off. Damn. Bill, their house painter, was even quoted, saying, They were so joyous about their new home, and then within days they were petrified. I am a stranger, and Maria was crying and shaking in my arms, end quote. So they were just not doing okay. Yeah, that's sad. What didn't help was that they received a fifth letter oh, from God, the watcher. Of course they did. Which felt more unhinged than the last ones did. This one said, 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass, and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the youngest blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and leave it alone. End. Damn. <laughs> that, to me, like, I'm wondering if he had, like, some sort of, like, schizophrenia or something. It's possible. It is just, possible. yeah. Like, it seems like he felt like the house was actually, like, talking to him or mm -hmm. some shit. Well, and, like, the, before, like, people said it sounded like a manic, like, writing. Like, it yeah, had exactly. manic writing, like, feeling to it. It looked rushed. And yeah, that can be a sign, which can lead to schizophrenia. So yeah, possible. But just so, whoever wrote those letters clearly was not well. No, why <laughs> young blood? So yeah. again, they just keep adding young blood more and more into the letters. I think because yeah. that one had more. <laughs> yeah, creepy as fuck. The Bronsons had already sold their home home in Manhattan because they needed to eventually. You know, they can't have two homes. Mm -hmm. And they had moved in with Maria's parents while they decided what they were going to do. They were still paying the mortgage and property taxes on 657, and they still had to go visit it to maintain it. Yeah. So they were, you know, still visiting it all the time, just, just kind of sitting there. Yeah. They still hadn't told many people about the letters or what was happening. 
only a few close friends and family. Every time one of them went to go visit the house, they would have neighbors come up and ask them why they still weren't moved in. They would just reply with the vague legal issues, leaving everyone to start speculating whether they were getting a divorce or not. So remember, this is like a gossipy neighborhood yeah. where everyone's in each other's business. So yeah. if you say legal issues, yeah, that's gonna like they're gonna be like, oh, you're getting a divorce, cool, yeah, exactly. or you're like in big trouble, you're a bad person. Yeah. Derek and Maria had started fighting constantly and had to start taking medications to fall asleep due to anxiety, anxiety and paranoia. Yeah. I would too. I would have had to a long time ago. So <laughs> stronger than me. Derek had become super depressed and Maria had started to go see a therapist after a simple, how are you, would immediately make her burst into tears. Mm. The therapist said she was suffering from post-traumatic stress and that uh-huh. probably wouldn't go away until they got rid of the house. Like, yeah. they needed to get the fuck the house gone. Go away. <laughs> fuck yeah, they did. They need to get out of there. <laughs> so they finally made the hard decision to sell the house. They said it was hard because it was, like, a dream home to them. Yeah. And they just spent so much money on renovating. But fuck the situation. I wouldn't care, like, if it was, like, a dream home or not. Like, my kid's safety is, like, like that's more of a dream to me. They than were like, very attached to this house. Like, I get the vibe. They were very attached to this house. So, like... They yeah. didn't want to give it up. Yeah. But what the fuck else do you do? Right, <laughs> like, yeah. you can't live there safely. Oh, my God. Or comfortably. No. God. They had listed it for more than they had initially paid for it because they had done so many renovations on the house and it made it, like, more modern, more up to date. So, they're like, it's definitely worth more now. Yeah. However, rumors had begun to swirl about why the house had been left empty for so long. Of course. Also, the Broadduses <laughs> were sending out partial disclosures to interested buyers, you know, like kind of letting them vaguely know what was going on, but not give them full details. Yeah. So they're getting just like bits and pieces. Um, but they also offered to show the full letters to anyone who put an offer and it was accepted. So like they were buying the house. <laughs> yeah. And they were going to show them the full letters if they agreed to buy, basically. Yeah. They had one person who was very interested but didn't feel comfortable buying due to the unsolved mystery with the watcher that they had heard about. Yeah, I wouldn't want to buy that house either. Yeah. Since the watcher could be a sexual predator or a stalker, they yeah. did not want to spend that much money just to deal with that. Okay. Yeah, don't yeah, blame them. They're valid. probably like $2 million at this point, so yeah. don't blame them. Yeah. <laughs> Very valid. Yeah. They had several offers come in, but all of them were well below the asking price. And Derek and Maria were not quite yet ready to take such a financial hit and only wanted to share the letters with the next owner of the house. People were just, like, they didn't like the vagueness of the letters. Just, like, they heard so little, but it yeah. was so threatening and scary. They're like, well, I want to see the whole letter, but they didn't want to share it because the news spreads and it just it becomes a whole thing. So yeah, no, exactly. They're like, I'm good. <laughs> Especially because you don't want your neighbors to find out either. Yeah. But yeah, because of those letters and how vaguely threatening and kind of stalkerish they were getting, nobody was willing to pay them their asking price or follow through with any offers. Their real estate agent, who hadn't actually read the letters, which I feel like is a dumb move on his part. Just, yeah. He should probably know what's in there. But no. this is why. Because he thought they were becoming a little too forthcoming and didn't think they needed the disclosure. He was quoted saying, my friend got horribly, horrible, threatening letters about her dog barking, and she didn't think to disclose that when selling her house. End quote. It's just it's more than Yeah, it's a, it's a little different. Like, dog barking is one thing. Drinking, like, threatening letters, I yeah. feel like the new owner needs to know. Yeah. 
because Derek had responded with, and I quote, I don't know how you lived through what we did and think you could do it to somebody else. End quote. Yeah. Because he's like, fuck no, we need to dispose of shit. It's scary. Yeah. Derek and Maria had turned their attention to the woods and thought about what they would have done if the previous owners had told them about the letter they received from the watcher. You know, like that very, very first initial non-threatening letter that they got. The woods told Derek and Maria that the letter they had received felt more strange than threatening. The quoter had, the watcher, had thanked them for taking care of the house. Andrea was quoted, they were like right next to each other. Yeah, you're gonna... Andrea was quoted saying, we certainly never felt watched. We rarely even locked the doors, which is stupid to me. You yeah. live in a town, lock your fucking doors. Especially this them. was like, what, 2014 you said? Yeah. So yeah, like lock your fucking doors lock at this your point. Fucking right? Barely lock your doors. Good for you, rich person. I know. God. But Derek and Maria felt differently. They felt like the person signing the letter, the watcher, was ominous enough to raise some sort of red flag. Which, yeah, a little creepy. Yeah. Also, he mentioned, like, watching them already. It's kind of creepy. Yeah, it is. But even if they didn't, no, even if they didn't, they still thought that the woods should have let them know about the letter when they were putting in the offer. So on June 2nd, 2015, almost a year after buying the house, Derek and Rhea officially filed a legal complaint against John and Andrea Woods claimed that they should have disclosed the letter just as they had the fact that water sometimes got in the basement. You know, like, all the random little problems mm-hmm. that were with the house. The Brownsons don't want to take this to court, as their kids didn't know about the watcher, and nobody else really did either. It was very hush-hush. Yeah. They just wanted the Woods to admit their wrongs and reach a quiet settlement with them. Their loyal ha- lawyer had assured them that the story might be picked up by, like, some small legal wire, but that's it. However, he was wrong. A local reporter had found the complaint, along with snippets of the Watcher's menacing threats. The Protestants had tried to seal it up, but they were too late and the story had gone viral. It ended up on the Today Show. Oh, shit. A reporter, and a reporter from the news station was stating, We do some creepy stories, but this might be top ten creepy. End quote. So now they just became a big creepy story. Damn, As they were still living through it. I wouldn't have went that publicity at all, like, still living through it, like, especially because you're trying to keep it hush-hush. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it, it leads to a spiral of problems that we're about to go down. Oh, so. damn. It's going to be fun. News trucks started to camp out in front of 657 Boulevard, and one local reporter set up a lawn chair to start his own watch for suspects. So now it's becoming this big spectacle. Damn. The Protestants got more than 300 media requests and was feeling overwhelmed by this sudden viral attention while they were still struggling, you know, with so much already. I'm like, leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> I know, it's like, get the fuck away from me. Right? Just, like, flooded constantly with people. They were referred to a crisis management consultant by one of Derek's colleagues, and together they had decided not to speak publicly to spare their kids from even more unwanted attention. They wanted to be very, like, you know, not knowing the public eye as much as they could. Yeah. They ended up leaving the Westfield area to stay with a friend at their beach house. However, they still did not find much peace. Maria's grandfather ended up having a heart attack while they were there. And the friend they were staying with had a grand mal seizure. So just like a big seizure. Yeah. Yeah, I know about those. Yeah. Eventually, Derek and Maria had to sit down with their kids to explain what was happening. And the real reason why they never moved into their new home. Now this is hard to hear. But Derek was quoted saying, 
Of course the kids had plenty of questions. Who is the Watcher? Why does this person live? Why is this person so angry with us? Can you imagine having that conversation with a five-year-old? Telling them your town isn't as safe as you think it is, and there's a boogeyman obsessed with you. End quote. Damn. Yeah, I can't imagine, like, having that conversation. Like, with my youngest, he's almost five. I can't. I almost call him, like, a toddler. He's not a toddler anymore, really, but, like... I can't imagine having that conversation with him. Like, this is a hard thing for them to wrap their head around. Like, we don't know who it is, but this person's after you, and we have to keep you safe. But we can't move into our nice, big, fancy home anymore. Yeah. That's why people are, like, following you and everything. Yeah. I wonder if, like, the neighbors, like, after they got a hold of the story, they're like, oh, you know? (laughs) Oh, yeah, the neighbors come up later. They're not nice at all. I'm going to put it that way. You'll find out. That's shitty. Yeah, it feels great for them. And the internet being the internet, everyone started trying to solve the mysterious case of the Watcher. A commenter online suggested using ground-penetrating radar, which is aggressive, to find find whatever it was the Watcher said was in the walls. However, Derek had already had a home inspector look, and he said all he could find was a concerning lack of insulation. That's it. (laughs) A group of Reddit users obsessed over the Google Maps Street View of 657. So, you know, like, on Google Maps, you can, like, click. Who should look it up? Oh, my God. Now you want to be upset. (laughs) There was one built, like, one part of a car parked in front of the house with users claiming they saw a man holding a camera in the driver's seat. But most users just saw, like, a pixelated glare. Like, it's so fucking pixelated. You can't tell. Yeah. It was, like, farther away. Bullshit. People just, people see what they want to see. Just exactly. Like, just like that picture that's online of, like, the Loch Ness Monster that's, like, clearly a log in the water. Yeah. It's like, people like, oh, my see. God, it's the Loch Ness. It's this proof. And it's like, um, guys. Yeah. So people just see what they want to see in these pictures. Also, the car could just been driving by. Like, it's just a still photo. Yeah. So it could, might not have been parked there. It's just probably driving on the fucking road. Exactly, right. <laughs> Random person. Like, I'd, like... He sees this picture all and he's like, God damn it, I was just driving past. <laughs> just driving through. Trying to get home. <laughs> Other groups had started a long list of suspects, including, but not limited to, a jilted mistress, a scorned realtor, a local high schooler's creative writing project, a director marketing for their horror movie, and, this is a weird one, mall goths just having fun. What I don't know fun? who the fuck suggested that one. Yeah. <laughs> Just having fun, right? Like really the creative, writing the high school like re- like creative writing assignment, like what the f- fucking creative <laughs> writing project is that? Like my god, like can you imagine the teacher like I assigned <laughs> each of you a house <laughs> and write letters, yeah. really creepy letters. Yeah. God, other people just thought Derek and Maria were wimps for not moving in, stating that they would never let that stop them from moving into such a nice house. And they would never back down from a terrorist. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I can't say that's a straight face. Right. What the fuck? I know. But Derek was later quoted saying, none of them had to read the letters or had their children threatened by someone they didn't know. Yeah. To decide whether this person's only nuts enough to write these letters and not do something, what if something did happen? Exactly. Yeah. They're like, shut the fuck up, everybody. Yeah, I don't blame them. In Westfield, everybody was on edge. Everyone's like, what the fuck? <clears throat> a girl who took piano lessons in a house directly next to 657 Boulevard had arrived to one of her lessons and just started bawling. 
She said she was terrified to walk down the boulevard alone. At the first Westfield Town Council meeting, after the letters had been made public, Mayor Andy, I'm so sorry, Skipitsky, Skipitsky, I think that's how you say his name. <laughs> I never have to say it again after this, so thank God. <laughs> Assured the public that everything was safe. He said that the watcher hadn't been heard from in over a year, and even though it was an unsolved case, the police investigation had been exhaustive. However, the residents of Westfield disagreed. They had to hear about this happening when it got leaked to the rest of the world, and most of them had not heard from the cops besides the Langfords. Several of them had written to a local paper stating, We were confounded as to how a thorough investigation can be conducted without talking to all the neighbors, at least within a certain proximity to the home. Which I agree. Yeah. Like, they should have talked to more neighbors. Yeah. It's getting to a point where they needed to bring in more people. Like, there was a lot of suspects, too. Like, shit. Yeah. Talk to someone. Yeah, no, just, like, don't get tunnel vision on that one person, yeah, which is what they seem to do. They they just, like, went with that one family. It's yeah. Like, what about everyone else? I hate when cops get tunnel vision. Like, fucks everything up. Mm-hmm. Well, the broadest is also kind of had tunnel vision on it, though. Like, Derek yeah. was very convinced it was the Langfords. Even when the cops were like, it's not them. He's like, it is them. So. That's true. Everyone kind of had tunnel vision on that one yeah. family and ignored everybody else in the whole, like, neighborhood. Yeah. And you gotta, like, crazy. broaden your horizons on this yes. to find out who did this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All this public attention caught the eye of veteran detective from the Westfield Police Department, Baron Chambliss. He was in retirement. But this case piqued his interest so much, he started investigating himself. He was quoted saying, The Broadduses are victims, and I don't think they got the support they needed. No, they really didn't. Chambliss knew that police had already looked into the Langfords, specifically Michael. Yeah. According to Michael's brother, Sandy Langford, Michael had been diagnosed with schizophrenia as a young boy. Ooh, yeah. He said that. <laughs> yeah. He would sometimes, this is, okay, this is really weird to me. This mm-hmm. is very weird behavior. He would sometimes scare new neighbors by walking through their backyard or peek into the windows of homes that were under construction or being renovated. Just as like a normal occurrence. And this is the guy they already interviewed, right? Mm-hmm. They interviewed him multiple times. I kind of get the tunnel vision a little bit. I mean, it's so bad, but I kind of get it a little bit. He has some creepy tendencies. Right. That way. Yeah. He used to also go out and get the paper for John Schmidt's uh, original neighbor. Yeah. That had told him about the Langfords every morning. But those who knew him told investigators that he was just showing unusual neighborly kindness. Okay. Yeah, looking through my window is not neighborly kindness. No. And was not capable of writing those letters. I don't know how much I can believe them on that, but that's not neighborly kindness. No. That's creepy. Chambliss decided to dig into the Langfords a little bit further, just to make sure there was nothing that was overlooked or missing during the initial investigation. Yeah. Because don't blame him. Police are not great. But he found something pretty surprising. Turns out, investigators never ran a DNA test on any of the envelopes. So Chambliss got one from evidence and asked for a DNA analysis to be ran on it. Yeah. And he's like, um, hello. <laughs> kind of need this. That would tell you for sure if that guy was like, um, the guy or not. Yeah. yeah, it would give you some kind of information Yeah, to run with. When the results came back, they found the DNA on there belonged to a woman. Oh, shit. Immediately, his mind jumped to Abby Langford, Michael's older sister. 
She was quick to jump on the Braddocks and officers when they started looking into the family initially. Yeah. So I thought that was a good place to start. Turns out she was a real estate agent and worked at a local place called Lord and Taylor. Could she have been upset about losing out on such a big commission? Maybe. Could she have been mad that they went to a bigger realtor, not her yeah. hometown one? Chambliss went over to her place of work and haggled with a security officer to steal one of Abby's water bottles so that he can compare her DNA to the one found in the envelope. He's, like, trying to get shit done. Yeah. He's like, just give me her fucking water bottle. Right. <laughs> give me her DNA now. <laughs> when those results came back, they ended up not being a match. Though. Okay. So, kind of got left in. Yeah. Chambliss had let the family know that they were ruling out the Langfords as suspects. They could never find hard evidence that it could be them. Just weird coincidences, which is all it was. It was just a bunch of weird, like, could be, but yeah. it's kind of a coincidence, too. That this happened, that happened. But no DNA, no... Yeah. Nothing actually linking them to it. That shocked the Broadduses, though, and they thought this came out of nowhere. They also thought it was a ploy by the police department to get them not to file civil, civil charges against the Langfords, which they were planning on doing. To stop yeah. this story from blowing up more, basically. Yeah. But Sandy. Still, though. Yes. Sandy, who's Michael's brother, was later quoted saying, a lot of quotes in here, <laughs> My family moved to Boulevard in 1961, and we never caused a problem for anybody. This guy gets all these letters, and all of a sudden, people are pointing fingers, end quote. So him and his family are feeling very attacked. Yeah. The Browses felt like they were back at square one. They decided they didn't want to lean on the help of the police anymore and started doing their own investigating again. They didn't want to share much with their neighbors, but they did decide to reach out for a little bit of help. They walked the streets of their neighborhood with a picture of one of the envelopes, asking people if they recognized the handwriting at all. However, nobody seemed to recognize it. They had one neighbor, an old man who like lived kind of like next to them. I think Caterpillar they said to them. Okay. It's hard to tell the layout of the street. So really quick, the guy that was like watching with his lawn chair, didn't you say like he was married? Mm-hmm. His wife. Did they ever look into her? I they might later. I can't remember. Okay. We'll get to that. They talk about neighbors throughout the rest of this, so because yeah. now they're getting involved. Now that they know, they're like, hey, we need to be involved now. Yeah. Um Gossip down. Yeah. So the <laughs> old man that lived like catacorn with them made a joke that his son said the watcher sounded just like him. Which is kind of a weird joke to make. Yeah. But that was the closest they got to any kind of leads. They decided to bring in some outside help again, but not from the police. They're like, fuck the police yeah. <laughs> at this point. They're like, right. we need different people. Yeah. First, they hired their neighbor, who happened to be the CEO of a security firm called Kroll, to look for handwriting matches from the envelope. They looked, but they came up empty. Mm. Nothing came out of that. Which the right watcher could have been changing their handwriting to. Yeah. Or just putting that out there. Might not have That's true, yeah. Like, some people like to, like, distort their handwriting. I know, like, we'll use their opposite hand. Mm-hmm. Opposite of, of their and they couldn't hand. use the letters because they were all typed. Yeah. So they they had to use the envelope. Because the envelope was, like, handwritten. Yeah. yeah. It was, like, chunky, like, sharpie writing almost. Damn. Next, they hired Robert Leonard, who, a renowned forensic ling- linguist. Linguist? Sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds fancy. <laughs> to browse local online forums and boards to find someone with a similar writing style as the Watcher. He was not able to find anything either. So the Watcher probably changed their style of writing even, like the way they spoke. Yeah. 
to make more creepy, probably. He said that they might have based their writing style on a character from Game of Thrones, which I find funny because I watched that show, yep. <laughs> uh, Jon Snow, as he spoke similar, and he was one of the Watchers of the Wall in that show. So he thought he was just pulling, like, influences from things creeping. The Broaddus' last try was to ask one of Derek's tech friends to connect them to a hacker who would be willing to hack into different Wi-Fi networks in the neighborhood to look for anything that could give them a clue or incriminate one of their neighbors. Sounds crazy. Yeah. However, when they started going over how that would all work, they realized it was a lot more difficult and illegal than they thought. And then, like, the movies and TV shows make it look. They thought they just, like, type some numbers into a computer and boom, you're in. But yeah. No, no, no. And it's illegal. You can't do that. Yeah. So they didn't follow through with that. They're like, never mind. <laughs> just cross that off. <laughs> As the Brazos were doing all their investigating, Chambliss hadn't given up yet. He started to dig a little more and decided to look into the woods. They asked for a DNA sample from Andrea and interviewed their 21-year-old son. However, it turned out to be nothing. Like, nothing came out of that. She didn't match the DNA, and 21-year-old son was like, what the fuck am I doing here? And after a year of investigating, it was hard to find a new lead or suspect. They had practically ran out of people it could be. Chambliss was able to dig up something that seemed promising. Around the same time as the Broadduses received their first letter, another family on the boulevard had also received a similar letter. However, they ended up growing away like the woods did, and thought it was just some stupid prank. Mm. Everyone just thought it was some stupid prank, apparently. After the news finally broke about the Broadduses and their letters, one of the kids from the other family posted about their letter on Facebook, telling everyone that her family had received a similar one. She ended up deleting the post shortly after, putting it up, but not before the police noticed it. Investigators went to talk to that family, but to Chambliss's dismay, it didn't really lead anywhere. Its existence honestly just made the case more confusing. Yeah. And like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. <laughs> now there's other letters coming out. And... God, it got really confusing. Chambliss decided to do some surveillance on the house one night. So he took another officer, and they sat in a van parked down the street from 657 to keep their eye on the house all night and look for anything suspicious. Around 11 p.m., a car stopped in front of 657 for a little longer than what Chambliss found normal. It looked a little suspicious. Took down the plates and traced the car back to a young woman from a nearby town who had a boyfriend that lived near 657. Oh, shit. They brought the woman in for investigating and brought up her boyfriend. She said he was into some really dark video games, including one in which he played a character called, you guessed it, The The Watcher. Watcher. Damn. (laughs) This name keeps coming up. <laughs> Chambliss felt more hopeful that he had a lead than he had felt in a long time. He yeah. Like, Finally, something feels more concrete. So, do they think that she wrote the letters instead of the deed? I'm saying it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You're good. He thought it could be the boyfriend, and the DNA left on the envelope could be a sign of someone helping him. Yeah. Like someone dropping the letter off for him, you know, or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, even his girlfriend could have yeah. been the one. But before jumping to conclusions, Chambliss wanted to get the boyfriend in to an interview. The boyfriend had agreed to come in, but on the day of the interview, he never showed up. Chambliss got in contact with him again, and they set up another day. However, on that day, the boyfriend did not show up again. 
And there wasn't much Chambliss could do about it either. Yeah. They didn't have enough evidence to arrest him to get him into questioning, nor did they have much to scare him into showing up. They didn't know about this one. Yeah. That seems like a really good, like, place to start, too. would have been, but he just was never coming in. Yeah. And you can't do much when you have, like, hard-ass evidence. You just have, like, oh, here's this weird coincidence. Yeah, exactly. You can't rest on coincidences. No. Damn it. (laughs) I know. He had also moved away from the area. So they didn't have his exact address anymore either. Like, they have no fucking clue who this guy was anymore. Yeah. Eventually, Chambliss dropped this lead as it didn't seem like it could go anywhere. Like, he was just on a dead end at that Mm -hmm. point. The media attention had died down on the case, and it felt like a dead end. So Chambliss ended up dropping the case and going back to retirement. He was just, he was done. The story had become less of a viral news story and more of a creepy urban legend at this point for all of Westfield. It was a house you avoided unless you were feeling unusually brave during Halloween. So it really became like that. They had to turn that into like a haunted house during Halloween. That would (laughs) be awesome. Basically. Everyone who had lived in that house before the woods could not recall anything creepy or unusual that had happened. Even though, according to the watcher, his father and grandfather before him had watched the house. So they thought it was weird that now this is happening. Yeah. Even though, according to the watcher, it's been happening for years. Yeah. Where's the letter, son? Exactly. Everyone who lived or had lived in that neighborhood claimed they never felt unsafe or watched in their homes, and that everyone was very friendly with each other in that neighborhood. A group of them had gathered together after the story had died down to talk about it and get everyone's feelings about what the fuck just happened. Yeah. As they started to piece everything together, they came to their own theory. Want to know what you think about this one? Okay. What if the Broadduses had sent those letters to themselves? Yeah, I've heard that theory before, and that's, like, I mean... There's a lot of, like, weird coincidental evidence to that I'm about to talk about. Okay, let's talk about the evidence of that, because I'm not so sure about that, but if there's, like, evidence... There's a lot of people being, like, they did some fishy things. Okay. I don't know how I feel about it either, I just didn't know. Yeah, I want to hear the evidence. (laughs) Theories started buzzing around, with some people wondering if they had buyer's remorse and realized they actually couldn't afford their new home. So they were trying to get out of the sale. Others thought maybe Derek was trying to pull some big insurance fraud scheme to get even more money. There were also rumors that could have been all for the fame and a big movie deal. They had received several offers from directors asking to make a movie on their story, but they turned most of them down. However, they agreed to do one with Lifetime, so a really big network, and, of course, they called it The Watcher. Because no one's creative in this fucking story. No. <laughs> Can't think of another name but The Watcher. Yeah. <laughs> or any of these shows. I mean, I don't think it's for, like, publicity, though, do you think? Because it's like, well, they took them so long to talk about it. Yes and no, but Lifetime is not where you just go talk about your story. That's true. That's, like, that's like a big Big deal. network. Yeah. Like movie network. That's true. And here's the thing, too. So they did agree to do the movie's lifetime called The Watcher. After the movie's release, the Broadduses ended up sending a cease and desist letter to Lifetime because, get this, the couple in the movie was biracial, and those letters were signed by The Raven. That was their complaint about the fucking movie, was that they changed a couple things, and they made the couple biracial. That's stupid. Yeah, a lot of people thought they did that to get more money out of the deal, because, like, those are stupid ass complaints. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, they that, are. That's your complaint about a movie about your life. Yeah. Okay. 
So yeah, people were like, that seems suspicious. Why the fuck would you do that? I mean, for me, like, it makes sense why they thought that they would send the letters, right? Yeah. But it's hard to say for sure when they didn't really do a lot of interviewing of the other um, residents. Yeah, it's hard. So it's like, if they had all this, if they had all this, like, interview and, like, DNA stuff and nothing was coming up, I'd be like, okay, well, then maybe. But then, you know, so it's it's really hard to tell but it's a definitely good theory for it's sure really hard to tell neighbors thought it was weird that over the course of a decade the Brazos had upgraded from a $315,000 home to a $770,000 home then to a $1.3 million home and they had refinanced every single one of their mortgages okay. they kind of found that fishy because yeah. it's kind of a money thing yeah so like they're trying to get a lot of money out the local paper had published an article in which a group of locals talked about their concerns with the Broadduses. They had also been more quiet and reserved compared to everyone else in the neighborhood, which was a big red flag to everybody. I mean, obviously we know why they were, yeah. but everyone else in the neighborhood who had no fucking clue that this was happening yeah. was like, why is why are they so like quiet and weird and reserved? Yeah. Maria had grown up in that area, so she knew that the boulevard was the place to be, and that 657 was the best home on the whole street. So they were kind of questioning, like, her motives, too. Like, you knew that this was, like, the place to be. You realized you couldn't afford to be at, you know, the big place. They also questioned why the Broadduses kept renovating their home, while they were still unsure if they wanted to move in, which I did find kind of weird. Yeah, I found that weird, too, because it's like, why if you're going to sell it anyways? It's just... Honestly, the theory of them writing letters is a good theory. And here's the last one that really puts it in my head almost. I'm like, oh, how serious was this for them? Because, turns out, even after they had started receiving letters, so, you know, according to them, they were paranoid and scared and everything, Mm -hmm. Maria was still posting on Facebook with pictures of her kids and had their names in the caption. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. So, so much for hiding your kids' names. You're putting it online. Yeah, that's... Okay, I don't know. Maybe they did write the letters shut. The paper did note that her DNA did not match the one found on the envelope, but she was still suspicious in everybody's eyes. Yeah. The Brazos were not speaking publicly, which wasn't helping the rumors at all. They were still keeping very much to themselves, except for the Lifetime movie. Did they test the kids? Because did they have, like, a daughter? They don't say their genders. Oh, that's true. They don't. No, they just say three kids. In my mind, they have it. I don't know why. But, like, <laughs> I just wonder if they test, like, the kids because, like, I was just wondering, like, if they could, like, use their kids as to, like, for DNA purposes. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. But then I guess it would still kind of match, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would still kind of be, like, family. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, be half Maria, so. Yeah, that's true. The Brattuses were shocked by their neighbors' accusations and reactions to the situation. Maria and her family had been part of the community for years, and she was shocked they would turn on them so quickly. They thought that Westfield preferred conspiracy theories and urban legends more than wanting to admit they had a criminal in their neighborhood. Derek was later quoted reacting to accusations, saying, How does someone go from a $300,000 house to a $1.3 million house in 10 years? It's America. There's a natural tendency to say, I've lived here for 35 years and nothing's happened to me. What happened in my family is a front for their contention that they're safe, that there's no such thing as mental illness in their community. People don't want to believe this could happen in Westfield, end quote. 
Yeah. So she, uh, they were paid. They did say that. Yeah. Many residents felt concerned about what this story would do for their neighborhood. They worried about arson, vandalism, and a lot of unwelcome visitors who may want to play tricks on the locals. They also grew concerned about the property values and the weird stigma that could grow from this case about their neighborhood. Must have heard about property values. Yeah. That was all that was in their mind. Property values. Not that there's going to be something creepy like watching them no, or whatever. Property values. <laughs> Rich people problem. God, no kidding. Due to this fact and the fact that most every local thought it was their fault, the Broadduses became outcasts in their entire town. Derek wanted to leave Westfield for good and never look back, but Maria did not want to leave her family and uproot their kids' lives. Their kids had been going to school in the area, and all their friends were here. So she was like, I just don't want to fucking move. Like, I want to... So she wanted to stay in the... She wanted to stay, not at the house. They were still at Maria's family's at the time. Okay. But she wanted to stay in the area, because her kids had a life here, even though they were being completely outcasts by everybody. Yeah. I think she was just stuck with the area. She grew up here. I think it was hard for her to leave. Yeah, I wouldn't care personally, but I mean, if they wrote the letters, then... I mean, they haven't made the greatest decisions, so... No. They're not great at making decisions. No. Onward with. No. Two years after they received that first letter, Derek and Maria had bought another home in Westfield, so they're staying in Westfield. But they used an LLC to keep their location private. Apparently, if you, like, put it under a business address, you can keep the address, like, private. No, dear. So, they did that. Somehow. I don't know. I didn't Rich people that. thing. <laughs> That's a rich people thing to worry about. Right. They thought this would help put their minds at ease, but it turned out to still be a very like still be very stressful in all of them, including the kids. Because of course. The kids had also been outcasted from the neighborhood due to their parents and the fact they never felt safe leaving their house. Anytime they would actually get invited to go somewhere and would actually accept, Maria would be tracking their phones the entire time to make sure they are exactly where they're supposed to be. In school, one of the Brada's kids had another kid come up and tell them, My parents told me, no matter what your family says, Westfield is safe. End quote. So they're just being bullied, basically, in school. Yeah, they... It would have been the right thing to do to, like, get everybody out of that day. Not buy another fucking house in Westfield? Yeah. Yeah. What if they did? (laughs) Now they have two homes in Westfield. No. On top of all... I'd be the fuck out of the neighborhood. (laughs) Yeah. I don't understand why they want to stay. Right. On top of all of that, there was still the stress of what to do with 657 Boulevard. Yeah. Their lawsuit with the Woods had been dismissed, as one non-threatening letter didn't seem worthy of needing to be disclosed when they were putting in the offer. Yeah. They were kind of like, it was not a big deal. Yeah. And it and didn't it, seem threatening to them. Yeah. If it wasn't threatening, like, why would you disclose that? Exactly. And the Woods were very upfront with the actual problems with the house. Like, they weren't hiding shit from them. Yeah. Just because that one letter... They looked into renting the house to the Department of Veteran Affairs and a company that runs halfway homes, but both fell through as both companies didn't feel comfortable housing people there. They're like, no. These people have already been through a lot if they are in our homes. Yeah. (laughs) Don't need that. In spring of 2016, they put the house back on the market, hoping that this house had garnered enough interest and people may actually want to buy the place. They held an open house where a lot of people showed up. Probably more touring than actually wanting to buy. Yeah. After which, Derek and Maria spent hours comparing the handwriting on the envelope to everyone that had signed the sign-in sheet. But nothing came out of that. They were just obsessing. Yeah. They had many potential buyers, but every time they would sit down with the Broadus' lawyer to review the letters, they would immediately back out. Yeah. They were like, fuck no, I'm out. (laughs) Yeah. After they ran out of potential buyers, 
Debratis' real estate lawyer had an idea. They could sell the house to a developer who could tear it down and split the property into two sellable homes, in which they could probably receive a million for the lot. Subdivisions had become popular in Westfield, and 657 sat on one of the largest lots in the neighborhood. Yeah. However, they would... Yeah, it makes, it makes sense. I'm not going to get any buyers within disclosing those letters. <laughs> yeah. However, they would have to ask for an exception from the town's planning board, as the two lots would be 67.4 feet wide and 67.6 feet wide, just short of the mandated 70 feet wide that properties had to be in Westfield. This would be difficult, as no one in town seemed to trust them, but they mm-hmm. sent out the proposal anyway, because it was, like, town people that had to vote on this shit. Mm-hmm. So they are like, it ain't gonna happen, but we'll try. Yeah. Everyone in Westfield true. had an opinion, of course. Yeah. Because Scott's be town, they usually do. Yes. <laughs> Some people felt sympathy for the family, while others thought this was just another part of their long, thought-out scam. Most people agreed that they were probably way in over their head from day one, and still found it odd how secret how secretive they've been about everything and keeping most information away from neighbors. In January of 2017, the board set up a three-hour meeting, fuck that, to go over the proposal. God. More than a hundred residents showed up, which is a lot more than they normally have. That sounds overwhelming. Yeah, because this is like a boring town council meeting. hundred plus people don't show up for that. No. It's like the few super nosy people that show up for that shit. Yeah. But no, over a hundred people in a little room. One of the neighbors... Getting, like, Gilmore Girl vibes. It, it does. It gives, like, the town... That's what I was picturing when I was writing this part. Like, this whole council meeting. Yeah. Like, it's, like, Gilmore Girl, like, council meeting vibes. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't as much fun, but... True. A lot more tense. Right, yeah. Because uh, one of the neighbors from the boulevard brought their own lawyer to fight the proposal. Like, these people were ready to take them down. They were like, Damn. come on. The room grew quite tense as the board read the yeah. proposal out loud to the room. And then the Broadus's lawyer went to the front of the room, explaining to everyone it was only three feet off. It was a very yeah. narrow thing. Like, should be fine. It was as narrow as the easel he was using to and hold if they sell the house, then these neighbors that you don't like anyways are going to go away. <laughs> so, like, I don't get the problem. Well, they weren't going to go away, go away. They're still in Westfield. That's but they true. wouldn't be in that neighborhood. Exactly. That specific road. He also informed people that there were already properties in that neighborhood that were also below the 70 feet wide requirement. So it's like, why the fuck are we making an exception? Hello. Yeah. When it was the room's turn to speak, some neighbors were concerned that they would have to chop down a lot of trees in order to do this, while others were afraid of how aesthetically unpleasing the look of the homes would be compared to all the grand homes on the boulevard. Sorry, I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's what you're fucking caring about. Okay. Yeah. Most people were upset that they would want to knock down such an old and grand house. One of the best in the neighborhood. It had been a house that had always been admired by everybody. And they didn't want to knock down such a historic house. Yeah. Which I get, but it's also like, Jesus, guys. I get it, but it's like... I'm with them here. Yeah. (laughs) The hearing went for almost four hours instead of the initial three. They got at 11.30 p.m. Damn. From this meeting, by the way. I'd be just emotionally exhausted after that. Yeah. And at the end of the four hours, they had come to a conclusion. They had denied the proposal. 
on the fact that if the watcher really cared about the property, what would stop them from sending letters even if you split the property into two houses? Also, that could have made the watcher angry if they tore down the house, and then who knows what they would have done. Yeah. So they're kind of afraid, like, what if the watcher, you know, what if it backlashes Mm -hmm. if you tear down the house? Most of the neighborhood also thought the Broadduses were just doing it to gain more money, even though the Broadduses claimed they would, in fact, be losing money either way at this point. Yeah. They just wanted the property gone. They're like, just take it off my fucking hands. Yeah. Like, well, why don't you buy it then? Because <laughs> shit. Yes. The Broadduses tried to appeal the, uh, the, uh, the decision, but it got denied. They're like, no. And they became very distraught over it. Even if the proposal had gone through, it still wouldn't have helped them from how much money they had lost. On top of the mortgage and renovations they did, they had also paid around $100,000 in Westfield property taxes for that home alone. Jesus. And they had spent about the same on investigation for the watcher. Not to mention the amount of money they had spent just to keep up maintenance on the home. As it was a very beautiful but very big home. And now they were paying for a second home on top of it. <clears throat> Man, the, that's going to have all that money, shit. I know. God. I know, right? Such a sad problem. I know. The priest who did the blessing on the home a year prior was surprised by the amount of people who thought the family was lying. He was quoted saying, I think the human element of the story was kind of lost on the neighbors. The watcher had, had expressed a desire to protect the boulevards from change, but instead it had been torn apart. So he was just kind of like, this is a sad situation for everybody involved. Yeah. Just the whole neighborhood's going to shit now. <laughs> yeah. After the fiasco of the planning board meeting, the Broadduses had heard the first bit of good news they had heard in over two years. A family with grown children and two big dogs had agreed to rent 657 Boulevard. So finally, some kind of income from this thing coming yeah. in. <laughs> the renters weren't worried about the watcher, but did have a clause in the lease that said they could break the lease at no penalty to them in the case of another letter showing up. That's good. Everything was going good. Until two weeks later, when Derek went to 657 to deal with some squirrels that had taken over the roof. As he walked in the front door, the renter handed him something that caused Derek's mind to go blank. It had been well over a year since Derek had seen a card-shaped envelope with thick black writing on the front. God. But there it was now in his renter's hands. They read the letter together, and this is what it said. Okay. All night again. (laughs) Violent winds and bitter cold, to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. Starting off great. Wow. You wonder who the Watcher is. Turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the Watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched as you walked. Yeah, I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading the gates. My soldiers of the boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher. I also see you have someone new staying in your place. I hope nothing bad happens to them. Maybe a car accident. Maybe a fire. Maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. 
Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. And damn. He's getting more, or they're, don't know if it's a man or woman, but they're getting more unhinged. Yeah. They just don't care anymore. No. Derek's horrified. Yeah. And the renters were scared. Yeah. They did agree, though, that they would stay as long as Derek installed cameras around the house. As the watcher never acted upon anything in the past, but the extra security made them feel better. Yeah. Derek showed the letter to Maria, and they agreed the letter was less stylish and more wrathful, which is the vibe I got, too. Yeah. It was less, like, quoted fun and more like, oh, my God, like, horrifying. Yeah. Do you think that that was from the same person, or do you think, like... That comes up in a little bit, too. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. The other thing I found interesting, too, about the letter is, like, you mentioned, like, binoculars and... Telescopes. Telescopes, yeah, so... That's interesting to me because it tells me that they don't necessarily have to live right next door. Mm-mm. So. You kind of dropped a clue that they might not live right next door. Yeah. They could live further away. Yeah. It's very, it's, very yeah. creepy. So really, like, it broadens the horizon of who it could be. Mm-hmm. Jeez, sorry, I hit the... You're hit good. The, the desk. <laughs> so they immediately took it to the police station, mm-hmm. obviously. And they begged the police to open up the investigation again. They are like, please, look into this. But a new letter was not evidence enough to open up the case. Yeah. This letter was also worded so differently from the others, it left police hesitant if it was even the same person or if it was a prank. Yeah. Because so many people knew about this case now. It could be anybody. Yeah. Literally anybody. (laughs) It was possible to label everybody in Westfield as a suspect, but they already questioned so many people, and they never had a solid lead that led anywhere. Derek and Maria asked around again, hoping that the neighbors might have any new leads. Neighbors mentioned a teenager whose father grew up around the corner, a man who sometimes walked around playing a flute. I <laughs> have many questions about that man. I want to question him. <laughs> and then they also brought up the elderly couple who lived directly behind 657, so the ones with the chairs yeah. that watched the Broadduses. However, none of these were actual leads. None of them really led anywhere. I want to know what the interview with the man with the flute was like. I want to know a lot about him. <laughs> yeah. But <For> real. <laughs> and, like, the more they looked into it, it could either mean nothing or everything. It just depended on how you looked at it, too. Still, they would send names to investigators, you know, whenever they got a new lead, but it wasn't leading anywhere, and the case kind of closed down with the investigators again. They're like, we can't do this anymore. Yeah. So today, update on them. The Bratises currently no longer live in fear that the Watcher will strike at any moment, which is good. Yeah. Got, they're getting over trauma. But they are experiencing the after effects from this whole, whole ordeal. Don't blame them. Derek and Maria avoid the area as much as possible, only driving by when they absolutely have to. Derek was recently quoted saying, It's all beautiful trees and beautiful houses, but all I feel is anxious. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night thinking, what would my life be like if this didn't happen? We lost Christmas a couple times, and you don't get that back. Christmas was a five-year-old, end quote. Yeah. So they really don't care that it was going to happen. Yeah, I miss that one a lot. They do have a new tenant renting 657, but the rent isn't enough to pay for their mortgage, so they're losing money in this property. Their kids are still occasionally teased in school, and are treated like outcasts. And the conspiracy theories still follow them and persist. They try to avoid most people from that neighborhood as they had all turned their backs on the family so quickly and called them con artists. 
The Westfield Planning Board recently had approved splitting a property across the corner from 657, which a with a much bigger exception than what the Broadduses were asking for a few years ago. <laughs> wow, of course. Maria had seen the head of the planning board at a spin class at the YMCA a few weeks after, and all she could say to him was, you continue to hurt my family every day. Yeah. Most of the people in Westfield rarely think about the watcher anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I said just like that, because like you guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The real estate market was doing fine, and for the most part, the neighborhood's reputation came out unscathed. So they're like, whatever, I don't fucking care. They're assholes. Yeah, they are. Most people in the area didn't even know that the Broadduses were still having problems with 657. They didn't know they still owned it, I don't think. Because they were just renting it from someone. Yeah. Derek and Maria look back and wonder if they should have sold their house for a low price all those years ago, just so it could be off their hands. In hindsight, they lost more money by keeping it than if they had sold it for a lower than their asking price. Yeah. And they never have ever like considered moving in. Not even today. They're like, fuck no. We're yeah. still never going to move in there. Um, and they're just hoping that someone, now that there hasn't been issues in a few years, they're hoping someone will want to buy it. Yeah. Take it away from them. Yeah, for real. Like, that would be my hope, too. Yeah. There was an incident a couple of years ago when other houses in the neighborhood received an envelope in their mailbox. However, it wasn't from the watcher. These appeared to be hand-delivered to the people who had been most critical of the Broadduses. According to the people that received one, they were poetic like the Watcher letters had been, but they were accusing people of speculating inaccurately about the Broadduses. They felt very resentful and included stories of recent acts of domestic terrorism that happened in the area, and how a lot of brewing mental illness was going unnoticed. While we don't know the exact contents of these letters because they immediately got like sealed up, yeah. all of them were signed Friends of the Broaddus Family. Derek did an interview in 2022, which is the interview I've been quoting a lot from and yeah. got most of the story from. And when these letters that went to the neighbors got brought up, so did the question, did you write those? Derek went quiet and then shamefully admitted it was him. He claims that nobody else knows, not even his wife. He also claims those were the only letters he ever wrote and sent. He had been fed up and driven to wit's end while watching silently as people threw accusations at his family. The Watcher had been obsessed with 657 Boulevard, and Derek, in turn, had become obsessed with the Watcher and everything the letters had set in motion. Derek compared it to a cancer in which they think about every day. Damn. At the end of this interview, Derek revealed one final letter he hadn't told anyone about. He received it a couple of years ago before this interview, and all it read was, you're despised by the house and the watcher one. And that's the end of the story. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, see, I learned some things about that case. It was a really long case. Yeah, like, we're at, like, almost two hours. I know. It was a long fucking case. Because <laughs> there was, was a lot of evidence in that case. Yeah, it was really well done. <sighs> so, who do you think it could be? <laughs> I'm still not sure that it's them. Yeah, but, like, I, I think they were being weird and fishy, yeah. like not selling right away. Yeah. It was kind of weird to me. Yeah. And like being so picky about that. And also like the whole movie thing. Or the yeah, movie. I agree. Like they did, they definitely did some like weird, like not okay things. Like, like I think they're also just acting in trauma. 
Yeah, exactly. I think that was part of it. Yeah. I know. I think that elderly couple needs to be questioned more. Yeah, I do too. Also, part of me wonders if it was the Linkards. Yeah. Because and they're just covering, like really well covering. Yeah. Because I mean, their son seems to be a creepy shit all the time. So. Yeah. Not the first time they probably had to cover for him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> seems to be uh interesting. Yeah. In that way. Like yeah. it's a rich neighborhood. Do they pay anybody off? You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I mean, everyone's rich here, so a lot of money involved. Yeah. But. That's the case of the watcher. Damn. That was really well told. Okay. Well, don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube to get notified when we release our next episode. Also, you can find us on Instagram for any important updates. If you are able, we would also love it if you could subscribe to our Patreon, where you can get extra content, early access to episodes, and a shout-out on our podcast. Love you all, and be safe out there. Bye. Love you. Bye. Thank you.